Thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Now, here are your hosts, Nina and Brian Dixon. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We're kind of gonna. Come, we have to come up with something new eventually. Why? And I don't know why. It's like the same. Stay thing on I brand. Say. Stay on brand. We're trying to th- change Branding stuff. is a big thing. Quit trying to change it around. Anyways, what's up, you guys? Talk to me. How are you guys doing? They can't talk back. Get it. <laughs> and let's go. Let's move forward. Um, I'm in a super good mood today because it is 65 degrees and sunny after a hell of a storm we had last week. Yeah, we had a couple weeks that it was just stupid cold. I mean, the whole country it was stupid cold. So let me but t- we had like negative twenty-four degree wind chill. Yeah, let which me is just, absurd for St. Louis. Let me just tell you a little story. Um, last week and into a little bit of this weekend, it got so cold that it was negative twenty one day without with wind chill, and it was like negative ten, negative five, negative six. For me, that is normal Pennsylvania weather. However, I have not lived in PA since. 2010 or 2011 so i'm not used to that although we were in michigan for like a year or two but still that was just i don't know i I didn't expect that in st louis and um with it came like 10 and 10 12 inches of snow which again for me is not a big deal in pa but in st louis everything shut down including restaurants which i thought was hilarious um not hating on stl by any means i just think it's very funny when that happens But we got our snowstorm, we got like just all the cold temperatures, but it was so cold that within that week, it was like seven days of just pure hell. Within that week, Brian and I started to notice that we were feeling very weird. Like my skin was literally flaking off of my face. It was the creepiest thing. I was itching all the time. My like nose and throat were irritated, but I wasn't sick at all, right? Like this wasn't like normal symptoms of you getting sick. So I'm Googling stuff, looking stuff up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, our heat is pumping throughout this house. We need a humidifier. So, so, yeah, the air was just so dry. So I go out to Bed Bath & Beyond and get two air, two humidifiers, one for upstairs and one for downstairs. And within like 48 hours, my skin like completely calmed down, like on my body. Um, and like I could sleep better too. So just a little tip for you guys that if it gets that cold and your heat's just blowing in your house, that's just not... That's not good for us either. It dries everything out. Your skin, your hair, your nails, even your eyes. Like it just dries you out and it gets very irritating for some of us, especially some of us who have sensitive sinuses like myself. So that happened. And then what else happened? I won't get too much into this story, but we got a flat tire in one of the storm days. No, we got two flat tires actually. Yeah, I'm is, driving in. Which is, which is the third third flat tire we had. And then what else happened? Brian had to shovel all the snow pretty much because I can't. And then, oh, yeah, Onyx. So we have a little Frenchie. Oh, she's right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't put a sweater on her or anything on her because we'd, we won't take her for walks like that because of her messed up leg. But in the wintertime, even if you try to put something on her, she will literally just like put her like set her back paw and she'll try to scratch it off of her. She'll try to get out of it. She just doesn't like it. It's not comfortable. So in the wintertime, we try to put her out, take her out, and then just like bring her back inside. But it was so cold that she would sometimes go outside really quick, go in a circle and try to run back inside even before going to the bathroom. And so I literally had to like wrap her around, put her down, let her go to the bathroom and pick her right back up because the snow was so high for her that her paws would like get super cold. 
So I don't know. It was just an interesting thing. She was not liking it. But today, she keeps coming outside and not wanting to come back in. It's too nice. It's too nice. She it's just way it. too nice. It's too, she it's too beautiful. Sun, she's a sun goddess for sure. Yeah. So I don't know where everybody else is listening to this podcast, but we are loving the weather. I'm so happy. It's like a glimpse of summer again, and I can breathe again and be happy again. I rolled the windows down today. I got the car washed today. I got it vacuumed. I was blasting my rap music through the streets of St. Louis. It was great. Good job. It was awesome. Um, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, yeah. So I came across an article, and I thought that it was a very good um, a good article for people who might be um, dealing with some of the economic backlash of COVID. You know, I know a lot of people are losing their jobs, or people are moving and then still getting fired from their jobs. There's like a stuff, just craziness going on. So I figured this would be a little positive reminder for people. And even if you are doing well, good, but you should always remember to be grateful and always feel rich, not just in money, but in life in general. And I think that that always helps turn things out better for you. You always manifest higher and better for yourself when you keep a good attitude and you're grateful for what is right now while holding a positive expectation of the future. So although this one's pretty much about money, you could apply this to pretty much anything. But we have seven tips or seven things that'll prove to you that you're richer than you think you are. So the first one I've got is that you can save money. Um, unbeknownst to you know some of us, a lot of people live paycheck to paycheck. And I'm not saying that it's their fault. I'm just saying that people have expenses, people have kids, people have debt, loans, car payments, house payments, whatever it is. And they just, their whole paycheck just gets blown away into bills and whatnot. And if that happens, I'm not saying that you can't be rich or you aren't rich. So please don't take it that way. I'm just saying that you should try to work towards a place where you can save money. It is always a sign of financial intelligence you know, for a family or for a person when you're able to make money and actually put some aside. What you do with that is a conversation for another topic, but you should always be able to take some money and put it aside at all times. It could be for emergencies. It could be to invest later. It could be to put in the stock market. It could be to buy yourself something, whatever it is, that should always happen at all times. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Have you ever read that? Mm -hmm. Um, That book is a really, really good book for somebody trying to change their financial situation. Again, it's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it talks about how people who, why does this happen that people like, as happens to athletes a lot. If I stop, if I can just stop stuttering today, it would be really nice. Knock it off. I need to like give myself a second. (laughs) My like thoughts in my head are going faster than my mouth. So this happens a lot to athletes or if you guys have seen uh, TV shows about people winning the lottery, and they like win like fifty million dollars, and then they go broke within a couple of years. You have athletes. There's a book about it, I think, called "The Lottery Curse." Yeah, that's another one. Or there are lottery. Sorry, there are athletes who get signed like multi-million dollar deals, and they too go broke in a couple of years. Well, why does that happen? Lack of financial education. Exactly, and they don't have the thought of like, oh, this money's coming. I can buy this house now. I can buy this car now. I can buy this and that, and I can go here. They don't think of, I need to take this paycheck and save more than 60% of it. You know, you should always aim to live below your means. Just because the money's coming in, you don't look at money as a thing of just like, I blow it. Money is like your friend. And it's like a, it's like a tool. It's like a token in life. It's not really something that you have to be, you know, 
go so crazy over. And I think when you look mm-hmm. at it that way, it's actually easier for you to put some aside and kind of live below your means in a more intelligent manner. The second tip, I, the second one I have is you can live comfortably below your means. So like I just said, this kind of piggybacks off the first one where if you can save money and you can live below your means, that's where it all starts. That's how you're able to save money. You have to be able to say, hey, I make X amount and I'm going to only spend 40% of my income on my living expenses for the year. And that includes your bills, your mortgage and house. And if you can't afford something, figure out another way to afford it or don't go after it. I think there's an important point too when it comes for people budgeting and like their expense because some people fundamentally don't understand that they're buying things that they don't need to buy every month, right? And, and they've been so programmed or doing it for so long that they think it's just a natural part. And they're like, I never have money to save at the end of the month. Well, then you really need to sit down and analyze very closely. What is it that you do spend money on? Did you go buy new clothes? Did you go buy a new car? Did you, when you didn't have the money to do it and you're paying a car payment now? Like, did you go uh, you know, out for to eat more than you should have? Like, you have to pay very, very close attention about how your money's being spent. And when you're start first starting it, it doesn't hurt to sit down and really look at your bank statement over the last couple months and determine where has all your money gone. And then you'll be able to figure out, wow, I'm spending 30, 40% of what I earn every month on stuff that I don't absolutely need. And you'll have to sacrifice and take some time of recalibrating that and really reducing the spend to get a better understanding of what is it that you absolutely need versus what is it that you want to have. And most likely you'll notice that the sneaky stuff is, you know, your trips to Target or CVS, okay? Or for women, we're buying clothes online like it's, you know, candy. I, I do it too, like I'm not going to lie. But you just buy these things and like these little, little additions and these little expenditures become major at the end of the year. And you're like, oh crap, I spent 10 grand on just clothes this year. I spent X amount of money at Target for just dumb things this year. Like if you have lotion at home, don't go buy a new lotion because it looks nice. You know, we have a, t- we have a tendency to do that. If you have dish soap, like Brian does this all the freaking time, I have to pay attention. If we're out of dish soap, he thinks he has to go buy new dish soap. But in reality, we probably have a huge refill one right underneath the kitchen sink. So you have to kind of budget and be mindful of like what you're consuming and what you're using and just don't go spend something because you need it one check to see if you already have some in the house and then two kind of like step back and say okay do I really need this item or can I do without and this will help you live below your means and don't ever go and buy something or lease something or get something on a payment plan with interest rates that is the stupidest thing and we have done I don't even know how many episodes on financial planning Um, especially early on in the podcast. It was like a big topic that people had asked Brian and I to discuss a lot. And I'm very much against buying things where they have monthly payments with interest on them, basically like loans. Like, I'm just not for it. Why would you pay interest for something? Do you really need it? You know? And if that's the car you want, then go find another car that has 0% interest rate on it. And even then, I think you should buy a car instead of leasing a car unless you have a business where it's a write-off. There's like a ton of... It depends. I can't say one size fits all, but it always depends on your situation. And the worst thing you can do is put stuff on credit cards that you don't pay off. Because when you're paying a that 20, stuff sneaks up so fast. When you're paying so a twenty five percent interest rate, you're going to get eaten alive. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you make a 
hundred dollar purchase and then you don't pay it in next month it's yeah. 125 yeah. and it's 100 you know and it compounds over time there's so. a double thing to that too though when you use a credit card you're not paying attention to your bank account and watching how much is spending so at the end of the month or beginning of the month you get this credit card bill and it's obnoxiously high but you already spent stuff out of your bank account and now you don't have money to pay for the credit card like it ha- that's how people get into debt so don't cut those credit cards and put them away like it'll help you in the long term the third thing i have is you this is a sign that you are more rich than you think you are, you will eventually be able to pay for the things that you really want. Um, What I mean by this is that you know and you have a rock-solid plan for the next 5, 10 to 50 years for yourself. And please don't freak out. That doesn't mean that like Brian and I know what we're going to do when we retire or we know what date we're retiring or we have a retirement plan already set up. That's not what I mean by that. I mean as though like we live so well below our means, comfortably live below our means, that life now and life for the next year or two, if God forbid something were to happen to a job, we could very comfortably live. Don't need a job. You know what I mean? That's planned for. Second, there's enough things put into investments where we know they're going to give us a return however X amount of years down the road. Again, more than enough for us to live. And so that's how you kind of have to look at things where – You have more than one source of income, not just your job. I will never suggest that somebody depend on their job for their income forever. I think you should have multiple streams of income, multiple sources of investments that you know are absolutely going to pay off, and then you should proceed in life and make those big purchases. And people also need to be aware of what percentage of their money that they save they actually keep in a savings account versus use for investing. You should have an allotment of money set aside that's there for a rainy day or, you know, if, if anything ever happens to you and maybe you have to get a new job or that. So you definitely want to have some cash set aside. But just remember when cash is sitting in a bank account, you make nothing on that money. It just sits there and it actually loses value because when the government prints money like they've been printing like crazy, um, especially throughout this pandemic with trillions of dollars and they're printing trillions more, um, your money loses its purchasing power because of inflation. So what that means is, say you started with a hundred bucks and all of a sudden, you know, you were going to Starbucks and buying a $5 coffee. Just pay attention over the next year. Those coffees are going to turn from 5 bucks into $8.50 or something like that. And what that means is the value of the dollar has significantly decreased in its value. And that's what happens when you have stuff saving because it loses its value when, the, when more money can be infinitely printed. And people are starting to wake up to that and recognize it. But you want to make sure you put... Um, unless you have a certain amount just set aside that you absolutely need for like a slush fund or a rainy day, anything in addition to that, after you decide what makes sense for your personal situation, needs to be stored in investable assets that you understand, right? Don't go and buy and invest in a bunch of things that you don't understand because that's a surefire way to lose money, right? Whatever makes sense for you, whatever your passion is, figure out what it is and then start figuring out how to invest things that can grow over time as opposed to sitting in a savings account that's losing your money by the day. Agreed. The fourth thing is you're going to be able to afford to retire as planned, which is another sign that you are more rich than you think you are. Um, More than 20% of Americans from the 2019 Bureau of Labor Statistics report found that 20% of Americans age 65 and older are still working. Just to think about that, how sad that is. If you're choosing to work, that's one thing. I applaud you because a lot of people do like to work and need something to do. Or I know a lot of entrepreneurs, in my family included, who choose to still be 
involved in their businesses and growing their empire because they want to pass that down in the future. They don't want it to shut down and stop. Great. That's different. But when you see people working at the grocery store for money or driving a bus or doing whatever and they're like over 65, granted, I don't know their story. They could be just doing it to keep themselves busy. But you don't want to be one of those people who has to do it. Technically, the number that they say right now is that we should be putting 70 to 80% of our income every day into a retirement fund to live comfortably. I don't necessarily agree with that number because my thinking or my theory always has been that you want money to make you money, right? We go have a job and make money so that you can invest that money to make you more money so that you don't have to work even when you're 40 years old and you can retire early because now your money is making you money through investments, through intelligent decisions. Not that you're taking 70 to 80% of your income your entire life and putting it away in a savings account. Well, how much will you save? You know, like if you realistically think about it, how much do the majority of Americans, how much do they make and how much could they actually save? You need more. I think I was talking to your mom about it. She said that the average person needs $3 million to retire. I don't think that that's going to be true for people your age and my age and the lifestyle that we want. I mean, I just, I don't see And the biggest that reason enough. for that is because as long, if, if we stay on the current monetary standard that we have, which is the U.S. dollar at the global reserve currency, inflation over time, that $3 million, you're going to need $5 million yeah. or $6 million, right? Because the power, the purchasing power of that dollar is decreasing over yeah. time, very and, quickly lately too. And let's not forget, like, there are talks of our generation not getting Social Security and Medicaid and all that stuff. So we're kind of going to be on our own. And that's not to scare you. That's to because most of our listeners are between 20 and 30 years old. So a, a big way that, like, as an easy example for people to understand how money's losing its value over time is when you see the uh, arguments for increasing minimum wage for people, right? And the yeah. reason that is, is because the old amount of minimum wage is not enough to have a sustainable lifestyle with the current price of goods and services in today's world. And the reason that is, is because inflation is devaluing our money over time. So what used to be, you know, $7.50 at minimum wage, now people need $15, right? Or whatever the number is, but it's significantly higher than what it used to be. But in reality, it still buys you the same level of goods and services of what it used to. It's just that the money's being devalued over time. I was just talking to you about this this past weekend. I remember Brian and I would order food in law school together and it would be like 30 bucks, sometimes even $25, like and not a big deal. it would be a lot of food. Right? And it would be, yeah, we'd be hung over the next day and it would be a, a, like a shit ton of food. And now we eat less, we eat healthier than before. Like we're just so, you know, we don't have the same appetite and clearly we're not hung over. Um, and it's like, 60 70 bucks now sometimes 80 dollars for just the two of us and i was telling him like wow like the dollar is just falling like no tomorrow and i think it's something that we should be more cognizant of and don't be desensitized to the fact that oh you know our grandparents say like i used to buy a candy bar for a nickel or i used to buy penny candies and now everything's expensive yeah that's not something to really joke about or to take lightly that's something to actually wake up about you gotta ask yourself why is that why is it that everything's so much more expensive now it's because central banks print an infinite amount of cash and that type of system will never be sustainable long term agreed the fifth reason that could show you that you're more rich than you think you are is that you aren't motivated purely by money and i love this one um although i have gone through a ton of lessons with this because i was very highly driven as a young child from 
very high achieving family members and parents. I too was like kind of following in that, but I definitely measured money as the only measure of success. Like if I could go to, if I did this and I did this and I, you know, practice law for X amount of times, then I could make this much money and I could put this much into real estate and I could grow this. And it was like a huge elaborate plan. However, what I failed to realize is that you're not, you could be rich monetarily, monetarily, but you won't be rich in happiness, right? And you're only successful if you're happy with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'm kind of, I'm surrounded by people right now, I won't go into too much detail, who I feel like have a real passion for what they're doing, um, especially in the healthcare industry, just from what I'm going through and I'm meeting people. And I feel as though like it just shows, like it bleeds through their interactions with me that I know that they live for this stuff and they truly care for people and they're truly doing what they want to do. Granted, that doesn't mean that they don't have bad days. I'm sure they do. But I think that that's richness. That is that is when you can say you're rich. Like I love what I'm doing every single day. Another example I have, which I've talked about recently on this podcast, is you. You knew after 10 plus years that, hey, I need to get into this industry. I've loved it since the day it began and I really want to go this path. And the minute you did, it was like a switch went off and like that fire came back, that passion came back. It's like this, it's a happiness factor. You know, you were always hardworking and never gave up and you gave your 110% no matter what you were doing. But I feel like you just became happier, Mm -hmm. you know, like you were just like, you are happier is what I'm trying to say. And I think that will always take you on the path of success. If you love what you do and you're happy doing it, you're going to attract the money as well. For sure. It doesn't work the other way around. The sixth um, thing that could show you that you're more rich than you think you are is that you view money as an ally, kind of, or like as a friend. And this is what I was trying to say earlier, like money is just a token, it's just an exchange. We don't have to... When I see people put money on a pedestal, they almost have a fear of money. And by fear of money, I mean that they think they have to work very, very hard to attain it, or they have to like hold on to it out of fear for a rainy day, you know, or they go around judging people based on how much money they make, you know, and that's, that, that's a direct correlation as to how they feel about themselves, you know? And so we can't have negative viewpoints on money. You have to look at money as just anything else in your life, you know, your health, your house, your car, your this, your that. Money's just a part of everything in this universe. It's an energy at the end of the day. You feel rich, you feel happy, you feel good, you're grateful. Money's going to keep pouring in. But you don't have to make it the center of your world and make this make it an unattainable thing that everyone's after. Um that's not that's not why money was made and that's not that's not what we should let money happen. Granted, I think our media and news channels and our society tries to use money to control us and sadly many of us are controlled by it and you go to work, you go to school and trying to create some sort of security for yourself so that for your life you can, you know, support yourself. Our parents instill that fear a lot pretty much. Um, but I think it's beyond that. I think money is just a current energy exchange mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's not something on a pedestal because if you think about it, money is not what you want. You want the things that money buys, mm-hmm. right? Peace you want of mind, peace of mind, goods, freedom, services. vacations, time off, relaxation, no worries, bills paid. 
So think more about those feelings as opposed to money, money, money all the time. And the last one, this is also a good one, but I can understand that this takes people a little bit of time to get to. Um, This is a reason that you are more rich than you think you are when you're not stuck in your job. And what I mean by that is you can easily get up and leave whenever you want to. You're not just stuck there, unhappy doing it because you need that paycheck at the end of the week or at the end of the month. You're legitimately like, I can bounce. I have enough in savings. I have enough in investments. My spouse is making more than enough. I'm going to go off and find my own thing. Or I'm bouncing because I'm burned out and I need, I need, a, I need, I need a couple years to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it is, you're not stuck in that job. It is a freeing feeling when you don't feel stuck doing something. Think it's, it's, like, it's like a human psyche thing. When we're forced to do something, we start to hate it and resent it. And that's where all the negativity spews from, which then in turn makes more negative results. But when you're doing something because you know you want to or you can, or you are grateful for doing it, that's where all the good stuff starts to happen mm-hmm. for you. And I think that that's just important. And something that can help you not feel stuck in, in your job is going back to the beginning live below your means, have a savings account, start to invest, start to make multiple streams of income for yourself, whatever that looks like. Do things to make yourself unstuck if that is what you are. And that, my friends, are very quick seven things that could prove to you that you're more rich than you are. There you go. I hope it was helpful. Yeah, I think it will be. You know, I think there's there's so many really uh, nuanced things that you could probably go a lot deeper on each of these topics, but at a high level, um, you know, just some bite-sized information that hopefully you can take into account and implement into your life, or at least think through, maybe you already are doing some of these things, but it will help you think through, are there ways that I can refine it and enhance it and make it better? Um, because the biggest challenge I feel like when it comes to people accumulating wealth over time is understanding from the beginning how to, create a lifestyle that allows for it. We're so easily persuaded through marketing and social media and these different channels for convincing people what they think they actually need when in reality they're being subliminally programmed through advertisers. And when you can step away from that and realize that like you it changes your behavior patterns and allows you to build this wealth you know, slowly but surely, but it's, it feels more comfortable doing so as opposed to wondering why you may not have enough money to go around or enough money to do this and that because you didn't even realize because you never audited yourself to self-account for the expenses that you had every month. And if you could just take some time and, you know, really try to figure out what it is that was causing that and refine that, um, that's a great starting point, right? Yeah. And start to implement some of these other factors we talked about. Yeah. I also think that it's important for us to talk about money because I sense that, especially with the messages I get from all of our listeners, is that people think that things just happen overnight or that people just fall into money. Or if they see me doing something or us buying something or us, you know, like the the immediate assumption is like, oh, that must cost a lot of money or that much. What people don't understand though is like the reality off of Instagram you don't see, you know, and that causes people to immediately compare and then want to overspend or live beyond their means because they think that that's what they should be doing. And that's what gives you happiness. I legit think people should do a test. And for seven days, 
take all social media apps off your phone and just pay attention to how your behavior changes in just seven days. It's a very easy test. It doesn't cost you anything, but the benefit and value that will be created by doing this and learning how your behaviors are influenced by social media, I think will be pretty impactful and surprise a lot of people. And if you could just say for seven days, I'm going to take off Twitter, Instagram, whatever it happens to be. First, you're going to clear up a significant amount of time because just having them on your phone, most people don't even realize how much they grab their phone to mindlessly scroll. I've never met a person in my life that I've talked to about this topic that uses social media that says that they don't waste anywhere between at a minimum 15 to 30 minutes a day mindlessly scrolling, right? I on, never go on my Instagram. <laughs> what are you talking about? Who media. are you talking about right and now? And so when they do it, like everybody knows they have a problem with it, but the vast majority of problem. people don't actually do anything about it. So, guys, I feel like Brian's subliminally t- t- talking to me right now. <laughs> no. um, so, I'm just posing right, a chal- no. challenge for people to like, yeah. test that, take it off. But what's important about that from a money spending perspective is you'll realize wait, I've been buying this clothes from this company or you know whatever this product is from this company not because i actually want it or actually need it but because i saw somebody else i follow that i like have it and so it made me want it and then i bought it and it 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 literally you start to recognize these patterns of how marketing works how these influencers convince people to do it and they get paid to do it and the brands pay them to do it um and you start recognizing this pattern and once you do that you start thinking more broadly like okay, well, how does marketing and advertising work in general? When you see something on TV, when you see this, right? You're getting hit over the head with it consistently time and time again to the point where you have a purchasing decision. And it's not necessarily because you need it. Like it's not groceries, right? Like you don't need a lot of these items to live, but you do it because you think you need it or you, th- you the want becomes such a strong desire that you think you need it. And then you spend money on it that maybe you don't have or that you could have used for something better. I need I need my red bottom shoes. You don't need, like, need them. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but no, you're absolutely right. And quite frankly, I mean, I'm I'm definitely guilty of doing that. I'll see a bracelet. It'll be on sale at Saks and I'll be like, oh my God, I want it. But in my head, quite frankly, why do I want it? I saw like four girls have it on on, on an Instagram post, you know, and I thought it was really cute. And so now I think it's going to look cute on me. And so now I want it. But that's how they get you. And so if, if you have the money, great. Spend it. That's what it's for. Live life, you know, great. But if you're in your 20s and 30s, like, Probably the thing is you you guys have plans. You have bigger plans. You might want to build a house. You might want to move. You might want to start a family. You might have other things in line that are more important than spending money on dumb shit. You know, and I think that that's something you have to be very cognizant of. And it's an open discussion. And like I was trying to say before, I think speaking about money and finances is very important, um, especially on the podcast. I always get very very good feedback from all of you guys, and I always love hearing people sending me messages about how, you know, something we said about money changed their life and changed what they were going to do, you know, and that's, that's the whole point of this, that I don't want people to always think that, you know, you don't have enough or you're not doing something. These are seven signs that you're probably more rich than you think you are. And the biggest piece of advice that I could give on this is that make sure you're happy doing what you're doing. And if you're not, work on it, figure out how you can get to be doing what you want to do that'll make you happy. Um, Because at the end of the day, you just have one life, you go around once and you got to find your passion. Until you come back for your next one. And, and then the one after that. Oh my gosh. And then maybe the one after that. You just never know. <laughs> um, I was going to keep this one very short and sweet. It is Tuesday. I'm a couple hours late on putting this podcast up. So that's why we wanted to get this one in pretty quickly. But definitely message me, Anina Pal Dixon, um, on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. I am on Facebook, but I never check it, as you guys already know. Tell me what you think, if you have any questions. And here's my disclaimer. We are not giving financial advice. 
we are not financial advisors. We have no training in the financial space. So please do not take this as financial advice, professional financial advice from us, because it's not. Agree. Use your, use your own head. <laughs> we, did, we, didn't, we didn't make any recommendations, so nope. I think we're good. Use your own it's nodding. good to have the disclaimer in there anyway. Thanks for listening to Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. If you gained any value from this episode, be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts.